0: Praise the Lord. Well, uh, let me invite you, please, with your Bibles. Let's uh, look at the Word of the Lord today as we focus on the Word of the Lord and as we also uh, focus on the importance of motherhood. Um, Praise God. If you did not receive one of our outlines, um, please uh, put your hands up and uh, someone will get you a copy of the outline. And uh, with our core meeting we had, they uh, made some great suggestions. So we um, thought it was really neat to let you look at the scriptures or to see the, the scriptures and to also take this home and for you to also uh, meditate on it and get your revelation that God gives you for the word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but every time I listen to someone speak or I open up the word of God, I'm always looking for something that God is speaking to me, uh, you know, concerning my life. So uh, from a time I was 18 years old, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I always would journal and take notes and go back and just reflect on those things. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. And if you do do, if you do, do that, continue. It's a great uh, practice, uh, you know, to learn more about the Word of God. And, um, and I know your life will be blessed. Amen. So today, as we continue on this journey of living water, we reach uh, now uh, part two of a five-part series. And last week, we looked at Revelation and when you get revelation from God, it causes you to reflect on the Word of God and how that affects your soul, your spirit, and your body. And we shared how important water is, that from the beginning of the Bible, we hear and we read the word water is mentioned quite a bit. And so we want to continue on that today. And so, um, with your Bibles, first turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And we're going to look at three things today, then we're going to launch you out. We're going to look at the mouth, we're going to look at motherhood, and then we're going to look at the matrix. The matrix. It's going to be fun when we get to that part, okay? So the mouth. Are you at Matthew chapter 4, verse 4? Matthew 4, verse 4. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you will lead and guide and direct us by your spirit. Um, Have your way in this place. Let your power uh, be experienced, and we pray that we will encounter you, Jesus. Uh, We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, um, and this is Jesus who is talking. He's facing the temptation uh, from the enemy, and the enemy is trying for him to um, violate God's purpose and God's plan Uh, for his life and so he says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 but he answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from and the answer there is from the mouth of God so we are told then how we're supposed to live not by the physical bread but we're supposed to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God and what we've been given is the Bible. Now, you don't worship the book itself. What you do is you want to extract from the book God's word. And it's that we're supposed to live from. Because you've got people who, uh, you know, look at the Bible and say, as long as I've got a Bible with me, that means God must be with me. Now, it's just a book. But when you actually read it and you realize that it is the breath of God, as Timothy uh, declares to us, that it gives us life and that This life is how we're supposed to live, and when it comes to the word of God. So the first thing we want to look at here then is, next one, is the word of God, is the word of God. Uh, Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And again, reading from the English Standard Version, it says, well, let's go to verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to verse 2 now and says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, the King James says, moved over the face of the water. But the proper interpretation of that word moved is not this. When you say moved, and you're going like this. That's that's not what he's he's saying here. And that's important to understand what the Spirit is doing, and especially when it connects to the water. So the right term is what the English Standard Version says, or some translation says, brewing The word is hovering over the face of the water. Hovering over the face of the water. And the picture that we're looking at here is what I call an atmosphere of life that speaks of abundance. So the first thing I have to establish in your mind as believers now, as believers, is that God wants us to live a life of abundance. You got to get that solidified in your mind. That he wants you to live a life. He said that I came that you might have life. Not just a biological life, but the zoe life. The life that is full of abundance. And so he begins in the chapter and he says that God was hovering over the face of the water. So there was something that God was up to when we read Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. So this word hovering, like I said earlier, it's not to say that or moving. It's, it, it's the word in the picture for those who understand uh, Birds and, and what it means that the, the bird is, is hovering, so it's, it's flapping its wing over the children, so it's doing this, so it's stirring up the nest. It's creating what I call an atmosphere. It is, it is making sure that life has just been birthed, and now it is going like this and sustaining that. And so that's what's in the spirit of God is hovering over and he's, 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 hovering over and he's moving just ever so gently so that the temperature within this particular surround is, is, is ready for life to continue to live and create abundance. Because abundance just happened. There was fruitfulness that just took place. And so because of that now, we see that they're, they're hovering over. And so get that picture in your mind. So here is God now and he is hovering over over us his creation he is he is moving ever so gently so the temperature is right that's why worship and praise is an atmosphere thing that when you do this you're hovering over so it doesn't matter where you move as long as he's hovering over you you know that you're in an atmosphere of abundance so you change the atmosphere you change the atmosphere. So when you step into a place that's dark and that's cloud, just know that God is hovering over you. And Spirit of God is ready to do a work in your life. And it's a work of abundance. Someone say abundance. So God is trying to get to us to understand that he wants us to live this life, this life of abundance. And so we now see as we take a look, as we, as, as we look further, In in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20 and verse 22, it says, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm uh, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let birds multiply on the earth. He hasn't gone to mankind yet. Here we're seeing the abundance. He tells the, 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 the uh, creatures in the water, be fruitful and be abundant. Because out of God's nature, it's, God is the God of abundance. He, he has to. He has to be fruitful and multiply. So it's, in other words, if, if I have water here. And what's in this water, if I throw, I won't do, if I throw the water on Megan, <laughs> which I'll have marriage counsel if I do that, but, but um, it's what's inside of here it gets on you. So it doesn't change what it is when it leaves this container, it still is water. And so when God gives out his word, it doesn't diminish God, it literally, it's the same thing that's, that's, that, that's, that's connected to you. So when you listen to the word of God, you walk in abundance, And it doesn't matter if it looks like that. You know that I walk in abundance. And so that's what he's trying to to understand. Because when God then speaks a word of us, if we don't believe that God is a good God and that God wants us to be fruitful and multiply, then we will limit, we'll put limits around God's ability to bless us. And so we've got to remove those constraints. We've got to say, God, increase my capacity to receive from you. And that's vital. That's vital. So we know this is truth. So that's why now when we go to Exodus chapter 1 verse 7. Here was Joseph. And Joseph's name means what? For those who were here before, what does Joseph's name mean? Increase. So Joseph's name means increase. So in Exodus chapter 1, it says, And Joseph, he was down in Egypt, and they were multiplying. Joseph was in Egypt. They were multiplying. Why? His name means increase, and they were multiplying. And in verse 7 it says, But the people of Israel was what? Fruitful and increased greatly, they multiplied and grew. I mean, come on, look at these words he's using here. But the people of Israel, they were fruitful. You think that's enough? No. They increased greatly. He thought that was enough. They multiplied. He thought that was enough. And they grew exceedingly strong. I mean, just one word, be fruitful. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's an amazing word. I'm not done yet. God says, I'm going to show you the depth of this abundance. That you're going to increase greatly. They multiply. So in every dimension, so physically you saw them multiplying. They were fruitful. The land was producing what it wanted to. And and, and watch this now the word economy when you when you understand it to its fullest extent it means household it means stewardship it means how to manage one's household and so the economy and every election people always say that the number one thing on people's mind is the economy and what they're thinking is the money but they miss the deeper understanding of that if the family is fruitful and multiply and increase it will change the physical economy of currency and money that comes in so whenever we're going to a res- recession check the status of the family When the family is together and worshiping God and we have the stirring of the atmosphere, God releases it so the land produces the very thing God said it can produce. He says what? Six years, work the land, but in the seventh year, don't touch the land. So in other words, how are you going to go out an entire year without doing any labor and still prosper? Because God knows the economy is not just in that. The economy is in his word. And so God then has to either, what God does, he multiplies so much in the sixth year, then the seventh year you can sit back and trust God for his provision. That's the God we serve. So you're not going to worry, about, oh my goodness, what am I going to eat? No, God so gave you abundance, there was so much abundance that you can live on what? The word of God. Because Jesus says, don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so that's what God wants you to know. So if you're in your seventh year, trust me, you have enough of God inside of you to meet every single need that approaches in your life because God is a God of abundance. And so that's where we are right now, okay? So here it is now that the people of God, they're living in abundance and all of a sudden the enemy doesn't like that. He doesn't like that you're He doesn't like that you're in your right mind. He doesn't like the fact that you're believing God. He hates the reality that you're declaring that God is the only God. He hates that. So he works through deception. He works through lies. And and, and that's the the tricks of the enemy. And so here it is now that the Bible said that the environment, so the atmosphere stayed, but the environment changed. Because there rose up a Pharaoh who did not know increase. A Pharaoh rose up. Now, this Pharaoh is not the name of the person who was a king, it was the title that was given. So it's a title, so it's a spirit. And so the spirit of lack, the spirit of, of poverty, the spirit of, of keeping people down, this spirit rose up. Because the other Pharaoh that was there, when Joseph was there, saw the abundance and the nation prospered. This particular Pharaoh was intimidated by the growth and he tried to change the environment. And he made it a hostile environment. So in verse uh, number 8, it says, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And listen to what he says. He says, come, let us deal with them. Lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape the land. What Pharaoh was concerned about was the economy of Egypt. And he says, for me to keep the economy the way it is, I now have to deal with this group that's multiplying. So I've got to deal with the family." in order that I can keep the economy of Egypt going. Because if war breaks out, they're going to join the other team, and then they're going to strip us of all the resources that we have. And so there's three things the enemy is going to do when he creates a hostile environment. I call it the environment of death. And it's found in um, uh, Exodus chapter 1, uh, verses 11 to 18. The first thing, write this down. The first thing the enemy does is this. He brings affliction to your body. First thing he does, he afflicts your body. He wants to bring intimidation to you. And so he had taskmasters who were all over. So everywhere they looked, Ian, they saw this big taskmaster with a whip and was afflicting them while they were laboring. And if they went over here and tried to escape the affliction, they would go over here and he would see another taskmaster and boom, would afflict them. Physically afflicting them. And so guess what happened? That didn't work. Because they continued to increase. They continued to multiply. And we're going to get to, uh, you know, uh, why that was. So the next thing Pharaoh said now is, well, we got to abort them. So kill them. If we can't afflict them, let's kill them. Let's kill their dreams. Let's, let's kill their hope. Let's, let, let, let's make them feel disappointed. Let's just, let's, just, let's just abort everything about them. Kill them. So we can stop them from growing and from multiplying. And when that didn't work, he says, well, let's abandon them. And look at where Pharaoh says to put them. Then Pharaoh, verse 22, then Pharaoh commanded all his people. So what we have is we have the word of God that brings life. We have the word of Pharaoh that brings hostility and brings death. And finally says, I want you now. Refers, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the river Nile, into the water. Every child that is born, every male child, I want you to go down to the river. I want you to throw him into the river and cause him to drown. I want you to, I want you to, for, I want you Egyptians I want you to make the people abandon their values abandon what they stand for and the way the enemy is working out in our current political and our current culture is he's trying to intimidate the church the enemy's target is not the culture it is the church But he works with the culture to try to get the church to abandon its value and to abandon its principle and to get us to be intimidated by the laws, to be intimidated by the current culture. But I'm here to tell you that we will increase, we will be fruitful, we will multiply because upon this rock God is building his third. Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gather in place. We will never be intimidated by anything the enemy tries to bring. Why? Because we understand that abundance is life. Come on. That life is in Jesus and we're going to stand with him. And so we walk in abundance. So this river Nile, after Pharaoh gave this commandment now, became a river of death. Picture with me, it's a river of death. And so that is, that is what happened. And so we were watching uh, the Prince of Egypt last night with Lisa; as she was getting her hair done. And so how do we then live in abundance and still have an influence in a hostile environment? Because the day when you gave your heart to Jesus, he didn't just take you right out of here and take you to heaven, right? No, you're still here on the earth. So there's a purpose for why we exist. And so one of the quotes that that was said was, I thought was really neat. And so here are the people now. They're discouraged because they've been afflicted. They were aborted. They abandoned. Everything like that. And it says Pharaoh has the power. And at times we can look at our circumstances and think our circumstances has the power over us. But I'm here to tell you the word authority is a neat word. If I'm a police officer and I have authority delegated to me by the state... And Ian, you're driving your car and I step in front of you and I take out my badge or you see my uniform, you stop your vehicle. Why? Because I have the authority, I have the power to stop you, Deleg- uh, it was delegated to me by the state to stop you. So I have the authority in the sense of delegate, uh, a delegated power, authority. But if you want to keep driving, you can knock me over. So though I have the power, one dimension, you can run me over and still keep driving. So the same scenario, I can put a boulder right in front of the road. Ian, again, is driving. And so he sees the boulder there. The boulder has not been given delegate authority. The boulder has authority. Why? Because it's blocking. It's right there in my journey. And if he wants to try to drive and compete with a boulder and he can drive his car, guess who's going to win? The boulder is. He's going to. You know, the car's going to crash. Now, the boulder has power, but wasn't given delegate authority. You and I have both. We have the authority of God's word, and we have the power and the ability to trump the enemy's power. So when they said Pharaoh has the power, come on, don't limit yourself by just looking at the external things. And and those things that happen in your life. you got to look from within and you got to look to the word of God. And you have to understand this. Listen, he can take away our food. You can take away our home. You can take away our freedom. You can take away our sons and daughters. With one word, Pharaoh can take away your very lives. But there's one thing he cannot take away from you. And that is your faith. Believe, for we will see God's wonders. Believe, because we will see God's wonders. And one of the greatest wonders, one of the greatest miracles, one of the greatest acts of God is motherhood. Because in the midst of this hostile environment, God now says in Exodus chapter 1 verse 19, when the command was given by Pharaoh to the midwives And he says, why haven't you carried out my orders? God says, watch this now in his word. The midwife said to Pharaoh, listen, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian woman. He says, these ladies, they they are not like the Egyptian ladies. Uh Uh-uh. He says, when they get pregnant with destiny. Come on, somebody. When they get pregnant with a word from God, it says, they are (laughs) vigorous. And they give birth before we can get there to harm them. Come on. Isn't God awesome? That in the midst of a hostile environment, God says, let me introduce you to motherhood. And not only that, but I'm going to introduce you to some Hebrew ladies. Come on, somebody. That knows what it's like to be pregnant with a word from God in the midst of a hostile environment. That we are not intimidated. We're still going to have intimacy with God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I'm starting to feel this thing right on my toe. And so here it is now. Here it is now. that we're introduced to some amazing ladies, some amazing woman of God. Watch this now. And who God used. So it says, the woman conceived, Exodus chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. So she's pregnant for nine months, carrying the seed of promise, and then she gives birth to this child, and she hides the child for three months from the word of Pharaoh. Come on, moms, you know it's like trying to hide the baby, and baby's crying. No, 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 no I, I gotta hide you because because you, you this is destiny. This is destiny. And so here she is. And and as a mother, and I remember my own mom and the things that she would go through, the sacrifice she would make, she would make her food and put it on the table. And there were seven boys, so the pot was this big on the stove. And and you would come, and and she wouldn't be there because she was at work, and she was making ends meet, and she was at work. And here was this food, and we had to fend for herself. And and I wouldn't see it for sometimes three days because by the time she got home, I was sleeping. And when she left, I was already at school. But here she was. Why? Because moms would do things and do whatever is necessary. Come on, for life, mom will do whatever is necessary to make sure that life continues. Moms will make sure that whatever they have to do, that life will continue. They will do that. And that's why on this day, mothers, we celebrate you. Why? Because you know how to give birth to destiny. You know how to give birth to destiny. You know how to hide things and make sure that this thing is protected. And it says when she couldn't hide him no longer, she took him and she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with, with, with all this different thing. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reefs by the river bank. The river now where all these children were thrown into this, this river of death. Here she says, well, this is life. And she takes the child and she puts the child in a basket, a basket of blessing. And she puts it by the river bank. She, she puts him in the water. She 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 puts him in the water. <laughs> and we're gonna get to that when we understand the womb and how how when a child is conceived, that there is a, a fluid that we call the water that, that 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 engulfs this child, that that right from God and his creation, he's so amazing. He puts you right in water, right from the beginning, right after conception, he puts that seed in water. And here she was, she put the child on the bank right there in the water. She she puts The child in the, in the water, in the water. The Spirit of God moved, um, hovered on the face of the water. And here she put the child on the water because the atmosphere, though it was hostile, the atmosphere was going to be an atmosphere of creativity, an atmosphere of where God was going to be able to do something miraculous. And God was about to bring out a deliverer. So destiny will always give birth to deliverance. Come on, somebody. Yes. Yes. He says, the woman conceived and bore a son. In Numbers 26, verse 59, we hear, we read of the name of this woman that gave birth to this child. And please understand, this wasn't her first child. And I was thinking, I said, well, when was Aaron born? Under what circumstance was Aaron born? And, and Miriam and one of those circumstances that they were born. So this woman was used to giving birth to people of destiny. And God is saying, mothers, that when you understand the abundance, that you will give birth to things that will change the atmosphere and change the environment. God wants His church to become a place where we give birth to priests, because Aaron became the first priest, and Miriam, who became a prophetess, was able to go and sing. And when a church understands motherhood, come on, and we understand the water, its flow, and the prophetic water that's flowing, we will give birth to priests. We will give birth to prophetesses. We will give birth to sons and daughters of a generation who will be able to lead us and lead that generation to the things of God. That's how important this motherhood is. So we read about her quickly. Now we read about Pharaoh's daughter. And here it is now that she went down to the river to bathe. Coincidence? I don't think so. She goes down now and she's there and and she sees this this basket's moving down. And so Pharaoh's daughter gets to it. And and in Exodus chapter 2 verse 5, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket amongst the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And then verse number seven says this Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? She opened up the basket. She recognized that this child is not an Egyptian child. This is is a Hebrew child. And Mary now says, do you want me to go get the mother? Do you want me to go get the one who biologically gave birth? And so the first thing we can see here is the biological mother. The second thing we're going into now is the adopted mother. And so here it is that we must understand that, 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 that God is requiring of us That we understand the power of adoption. The power of adoption. That here it was now that that, that Moses' mother gave him away, but God had already orchestrated how God was going to raise this child to be a great deliverer. And so the very one who proclaimed, the very one who said death, God now uses that to bring life. Only God, I talked to you about seeing the wonders. And here it is now, the Pharaoh's daughter goes down and she sees this child. And she takes this child and Mary gets this child and brings it back to the mother and says, nurse this child. Give him the value system. Share with him who he is and what everything and all that he needs to know. And she nursed the child. And guess what? Pharaoh's daughter paid. Only God Pharaoh's daughter paid Moses' mother to raise him, which he gave him bachelor's, Here it is: God is so good, motherhood. The second thing where we look at now is this, and it says in Acts seven verse twenty-one, real quick. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So the second thing is now we have to understand is this. Is, it was Pharaoh's daughter, when she came, she goes, I'm going to call him Moses because I drew him out or I drew him from the water. So here it is now that uh, a Moses' biological mom put him in the, in, in the water and Pharaoh's daughter comes and she draws him out from the water. It's a picture. It's a picture of something. We're going to get to that. And so the most powerful thing then, right, from motherhood, one of the most powerful things is the power of a womb. The power of the womb. The word matrix is the Latin word which means womb. And a womb is or the matrix is an environment or material in which something develops a surrounding medium or structure. So God now hid Moses in the matrix. It's an environment that is That is protecting him from the hostility that's out there. And he protects Moses in the womb, the matrix. And watch now because what Pharaoh's daughter represented by drawing him out of the river was really God doing great wonders through Pharaoh's daughter. It was God all the time that was doing that. And he's showing us motherhood at its finest. And so in Isaiah now, watch in Isaiah 44 verse 2 and 3, he says this. Thus said the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and helped you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So in other words, watch this now. God is saying, I formed you from the womb. From the matrix, the place, the environment of where God was putting gifts and talents and all these things together. And that's why we have to protect the womb. We've got to protect it. Why? Because it's an environment. It's a place of creativity. And God is saying, listen, I formed you from the womb. So every child that leaves the womb has purpose and has potential. And we've got to tell this generation, you have purpose, you have potential. The enemy tried to kill you, but God in his grace and his mercy formed you from the womb. It was David who said, in my mother's womb, God, you designed me and you, you did all the, the detailed things about me that was important for me to live and for me to, to, to function. The study of the human body, the study of of, of a child, uh, and the eyes, and the different details of us, amazes scientists. And they're like, I don't understand how this all works. It's because God is doing something in the womb. He's doing something in the womb. So here it is now. We are biological mothers. And I have an amazing biological mom. I have an adopted mother. Who, when I came to America, that God used to raise me and to expose me to things that have never been exposed before. When I lived in America, so when I lived in Canada and I was coming to America, I always wanted to go to the White House. Always. I wanted to go see the governmental structure. And this week I was like, God, if you didn't call me to preach, I would have went into politics. I'm not kidding you. I'm like, God, I would have went to politics if you didn't call me to preach. Uh-huh. I'm going to that. And I said, God, I would so like to see the White House. I would like to see the government things and all things I've learned about America when I was in Canada. And so I came to America and God, what my biological mother couldn't do. God gave me an adopted mother who invested in me and and paid and said, I want you to go to Washington and see the things you've always wanted to see when you were 18 years old in Canada. That's God. God. That's the power because God was forming me in my mother's womb biologically. So I'd be able to see things and experience things. And so when my dad left and when he walked out of my life, my destiny did not change. No, 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 no. No, God was still working in me because God knows the power of motherhood. God knows the power of a woman who understands the power of the womb. When I got saved, when I get my heart to Lord, I don't know if they do this now. When I got saved at 18, Della, like, here's what they did. They brought everyone that gave their heart to Jesus, went to camp, and we came to the front. And they said this to the church. Now, his mom is not a Christian yet, so she doesn't know how to nurse him in the things of God. And she called, the church called for mothers who know what it's like to rustle and to fight and to develop children. And he says, I want you to come. I want you to come to the front and adopt one of these children and be a spiritual mom to them. And so this lady came and she became a spiritual mom to me, nursing me just like how Moses' mother did, nursing me on the things of God. I'll never forget her. I'll never forget her. So guess what? Not only did I have a biological mom, I had an adopted mom. I also had a spiritual mom. And when we look at here, and especially Mother Cook, who I know really well, when I came to America, became that mother to me. So I left Canada, but she became that mother to me. And in Judges chapter 5, verse 7, uh, Judges chapter 5, uh, verse 4 to 7, Judges chapter 5, verse 4 to 7, we read of Deborah, who was the judge, and she says this when you look at it, that God made me a mother of Israel. That speaks of a relationship. That speaks of a relationship that we can have. So I'm here to tell you, ladies, I'm here to tell you, biological mother, adopted mother, stepmother, or spiritual mother, God has an assignment for you to draw that child from the water and to nourish that child and to, and to build that child up so that child can be released and fulfill the destiny, the purpose that God has for them. In Luke chapter 2 verse, uh, 2 verse 3. In Luke chapter 2, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2 verse 23. We read it says that anyone that opens the womb, this word womb means the matrix. Anyone that opens up the womb, it's that word for matrix. He says, this is what you got to do. So we can see this word here in Luke chapter 2, verse 23. And now, here's what I want to do. I want to launch us into what God has for us. I drew you out of the water. I drew you out of the water. The launch. The launch. As Miriam, sorry, as Moses' mother put him and launched him into the water, God drew Moses out of the water. And what God is doing now, that he's drawing us out from the water. The water is breaking. And when the water breaks, when a woman is physically pregnant and the water breaks, it means that delivery is coming, it means that they're about to push something out. And so God now, with the living water that's coming, is that he now is going to let you know, everyone that's here, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are going to know that your destiny, your destiny, your destiny is secure. Your destiny, I don't, it doesn't matter what you're going through right now, your destiny is secure. Secure. David in 2 Samuel verse 22 and verse 16 and 17. He says these words. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundation of the world was laid bare. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostril, he sent me on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. Some commentaries say that David was talking about, in other words, the word he drew out of deep waters. It speaks of the experience that David was going through. The experience that David was going through. When Samuel was sent out to anoint the next king, all the brothers were there except David. He was out in the field. And it wasn't the ones in the house that God had called. David experienced so much. His brothers, when he went to the war, said, why are you here? You're just here to see the fight. Saul trying to kill him. His family, there were so many experiences he was going through. And the word is saying, here as David's right. He says, out of all the experiences I've gone through, God, you drew me out of many, out of great, out of deep water. That though my environment was hostile at times, the atmosphere was of your love and your mercy, and you drew me out of many waters. And so mothers, I know that you gave birth in some hostile environments, and maybe your children or some of you know your children is not serving God, but I'm here to tell you that God is going to draw them out. Oh, come on. That the fact that they were inside of you moving and they were moving and when they were born you were you were flapping you were creating an environment in your home yes you made the word of god part in your home but it seems like they're not living the life but i'm here to tell you god is going to draw them out of the waters so every mother be encouraged here every mother be encouraged that your child is secure Come on, because God is going to draw them out, out of the waters. One of the things that amazes me is, as I speak to to Della and Gary and and we talk and we talk about their family. And um, every time I come for worship, one of the greatest things I look, I look up and I see, I see Ian up there and I see Emily's beautiful wife and I see the children. And I know that both of you on your knees, you have prayed. It doesn't no matter where they went. doesn't no matter where they are. doesn't matter the experience they're going through. You know that God is going to draw them out. Out of many waters. Because prior to those experiences, they were in an atmosphere in your womb. And when the water broke and out they came. You took every one of your children. He says, God, they belong to you. I'm putting them back into the water of which they came out of. I'm here to tell you right now that God is watching over that basket of blessing. I know they're in a hostile environment. It seems like kids, when they turn 18, 19, and they go to college, they lose their faith. But no, no, not this generation. They will not lose their faith when they enter into the halls of education. No. Because our education system is raising, They're going, God is using them to raise up a deliverer who's going to go back and is going to say, let my people go. Are you hearing me? Because God is a God of abundance. We will not be intimidated. We will not be afraid. No. As long as there's a woman with a womb, there is hope. As long as there's mothers in zion mothers in zion you know what it's like to push out a promise you know what it's like that in the midst of a hostile situation to still see life and we need you we need you to keep praying to be that spiritual mother to be that adoptive mother to be that mother who takes these children and teaches them the things of god that's why we don't have children's ministry we have ministry to children mothers who are saying i know what it's like to raise a child in the midst of a hostile environment god drew david out of the waters and he's he's drawn you and i out of the water my last scripture and then they're going to sing and we're going to worship the Lord Jesus now is talking I started early about the spirit of God on the water and I'm going to end now with the water and the spirit and Nicodemus goes and says, you are definitely a man of God Nicodemus goes before Jesus and they're having a conversation and in, in verse three of John chapter three Jesus answered him truly truly I say to you Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I didn't say he cannot see church. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Big difference. Big difference. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Moses was born of the water and of the spirit and brought a kingdom message to a people in bondage. And he says, you are free. Come along with me and let's go on this journey towards our freedom." And I'm here to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have an opportunity right now to be born again. This is the message. This is the launch. And we're going to go into our communion. We're going to say, come thirsty. Come thirsty. And we're going to tell people you must be born of the water and of the spirit because God is moving in this hostile environment. He's moving and he's creating an atmosphere for you to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our natural birth. We thank you for our mothers, our biological moms, and maybe some of us are moms have gone to be with you, Lord. but their influence and their impact still remains here. We pray for those who have, who have adopted children and. In other countries and here and through foster care, we thank you for that, Lord, because they're protecting the promise. But Father, we thank you for the spiritual birth. We thank you that you drew us. you're the one that drew. You took us from the water. We have a promise. We have an assignment. Tell people that you must be born again. Everyone on the sound of my voice that has been born again, I want you to worship now as they sing this song and let it minister to your heart. Come thirsty and let the song that they're singing minister to your heart. Mothers, thank you so much for Not giving up for protecting the promise and for allowing God to use you to bring forth this miracle, the deliverer. In Jesus' name, go ahead, guys. Go ahead.